Some time ago, when my grandsons were three and four, I took them to a neighborhood school playground. We were having a great time going down the slides, running up a dirt mound back and forth. That was better than all the equipment. Playing hide-and-seek, taking sticks and digging in the dirt. It was wonderful. But then it was time to go home because... I had to prepare dinner, so I gave him a 15-minute warning. Okay, 15 minutes, it'll be time to go. Okay, 10 minutes, it's going to be time to go. All right, five minutes, and we're going to have to get in the car. All right, it's time to go. And James the Younger literally lay down on the ground screaming, No, I don't want to go. No, I don't want to go. No. And I tried to pick him up, and he was flailing at me. And finally, I had to pick him up and do the fireman's carry, you know, hold his legs here and up here to get to the car. And he is screaming his head off the whole time. And I am sure that every adult on the playground is looking at me, wondering what I've done to this boy. So I literally wrestle him into the car seat, you know, where they do this arch their back thing that they don't want to go in, and you have to kind of hold them down and start the clips. And as I drove away, I just kind of wanted to slink down, you know, sort of below the steering wheel. We wrestle with a lot of things in life. We wrestle with being a good parent or being a good grandparent. We struggle with decisions that we have to make. We try to pin down things on the calendar to get them done, right? We wrestle with relationships and we wrestle with God. A friend seeing the title of the sermon sent me her what it says on the magnet on her refrigerator. It says, Lord, give me the patience to endure my blessings. There's a great story behind that. I went and Googled it. Let's just say it was a parent that was trying to deal with a child and she didn't know what to do, and it's part of her prayer that's there on the website. And one of the oddest passages of scripture, we find Jacob wrestling with a man in the middle of the night. But before we get there, I have to give you the backstory. Jacob, 20 years before, had cheated his brother out of his brother Esau's inheritance. It meant he got two-thirds of the property. And then he conned his father out of the traditional family blessing. And Esau gets so mad. He says he's going to kill his brother. Well, Jacob decides that the road is open and he better go. And he spent 20 years with his uncle, married his two daughters, had lots of children, And things get a little uncomfortable. There's some jealousy building. It gets a little too tight, 
living with the in-laws in the area, and God tells him to go home. And so he writes this message, sends messengers by camel mail, and it says, Esau, I've been away so long, I want to come home, and I just want you to know that you be the man. You are the main man. And I've done well, so you won't have, I won't, you know, get in your way. I just hope that I can come on home. The next news he gets from the messengers, which must have taken a while, was Esau's coming to meet him with 400 men. And Jacob is sent into an absolute panic. Absolute panic. And the first thing he does is, well, he begins to think of a plan. And then he prays. And this is what he prays. He prays help, but there's more to it than that. And then Jacob prayed, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, God who told me to go back to your parents' homeland and I'll treat you well. God who got me in this fix. Remember, you're the one who said to come. I don't deserve all the love and loyalty you've shown me. When I left here and crossed the Jordan, I only had the clothes on my back. Now look at me, two camps of people. Save me, please, from the violence of my brother, my angry brother. I'm afraid he'll come and attack us all, me, the mothers, and the children. You yourself said, I will treat you well. I'll make your descendants like the sands of the sea. Far too many to count. Jacob prays desperately, honestly, intensely. He stands there saying, Lord, you're the only help I've got. And using the cunning that's just a part of his nature, what he does is he sets up five gifts for his brother, the equivalent of a Rolex, a Mercedes, and vacation packages all wrapped into one, But these are five droves of animals, 220 sheep, 220 goats, um, 40 camels and their colts, 50 cows and 30 donkeys. And with each one, they're spaced out. The servants are to say, these are for you, Esau. These are a gift for you, Esau, from your servant, Jacob. He's trying to grease the skids a little bit, try and make it so his brother will accept him. And then Jacob, towards night, he's camped by a river, and finally he sends his wives and his children off across the river. And he's there left alone by himself. And you know, in the night is often when we finally have to face our fears, our grief, our sadness, our decisions, because finally we're not busy anymore, keeping all that at bay. 
We finally turn off the television, which has been distracting us from the things we probably need to think about and pray about. And so finally, there in the night, he's just sitting by himself with his fear, with what comes next. Maybe he's sitting and thinking about how he cheated his brother. Maybe he's feeling guilt. And then, in one of the strangest stories, a man comes out in the night and starts wrestling with him. We have no idea who this man is. Not a clue. And why does he come out to wrestle with him instead of kill him? He's not a bandit. Could it be that Esau has come to him in the night to confront his brother alone? Is it an angel of the Lord who's bringing what he needs, that time of introspection and wrestling with his conscience? Or is it God? God who comes down into the inky blackness and helps Jacob deal with himself. They wrestled into the night, and finally the man says, let me go, for it is daybreak. And Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. What a gutsy guy. He's been trying to wrestle a blessing his whole life long from his brother, from his father, wanting the words that he has never heard, wrestling a living from his conniving uncle Laban. And right now he's holding on for dear life and he's saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I like him right then. I really like Jacob right then. Because he's holding on to God. He's holding on to a relationship. He's holding on in desperation and in prayer. And the man, instead of saying anything, says, What is your name? And Jacob says, Jacob. It could be he's just saying his name, but it could be a confession. Jacob means the heel, the supplanter. He could be saying, here I am, the heel, the cheat, the liar. Here I am, that's what I am. And the man says, no, that's not your name any longer. It is Israel, the one who wrestles with God. That's how Israel is known from then on, not just the man, but the people. The people who wrestle with God and ask the questions, are you out there, God? Have you abandoned us? God, where are you in the darkness? 
God, my soul sings because of your blessings. God, your goodness is everlasting. God, you are all that we need. And isn't that a great thing? They become a people who won't let go of God no matter what. Yeah, they mess up all the time. They forget about God. They go worship the gods of the world. They pretend God doesn't exist and don't do God's will. But the thing is, God never lets go of them. Never lets go of them. God comes back and gives them what they need, whether it's a wrestling match or the peace that passes understanding or a way to walk in the world. That magnet, the the mom who was writing, Lord, give me the patience to endure my blessings, she was writing about her teenage daughter and who had just gotten wild, and she was writing down the prayer and said, Lord, I've done everything I know how to do. Help me. And as she wrote the prayer, she realized she hadn't done what she needed to do. She didn't take away her daughter's cell phone when she was texting and driving. She hadn't set the appropriate limits. And so in the very act of praying, God tells her, eh, not everything. There are things you need to do to change. Jane is a person who really resented her brother. When their mother died, he who did not take the piano took their mother's piano. Didn't ask her, she played. Huh, I mean, the resentment just festered year after year, particularly since Jane's brother was a smoker and there were burns on the piano. And then one night she gets a call from her brother who is crying, saying, come, my house is on fire. And she arrives, and the firemen have been there, and there's some people carrying out a piano. And her brother is weeping and saying, it's so terrible, it's so terrible. Those were the only happy times for me as a child, was when Mama played the piano. And Jane's heart broke open into forgiveness and into a relationship with a brother that she had never known was so sad. God comes to us in our need, where we need it, maybe not where we want it, to offer us forgiveness to offer us nourishment for body and for soul. Jesus comes and he gives us a new name. We are Christ's. We are Christians. We are little Christ. The past is gone the time of being the heel, the cheat, the liar, or whatever we've done. 
were claimed by Christ, who loves us even now. Thanks be to God.